Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. I'm so excited for you to hear episode number 76 of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Rick Robinson. He's a former college baseball coach and now serves full-time with SCORE International as a director of domestic missions. You're going to hear a lot about his coaching career, but more about his role with SCORE International. He and his wife both serve in ministry with SCORE. They live in the Tuscaloosa Alabama area. They have three kids. I cannot wait for you to hear from Rick and his passion for Christ and making Christ known and serving others. So let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Rick. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. You bet. So I always like to start these off with a little background information so listeners kind of get a understanding and of, of who you are. So let's start, you know, talk about a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, your family today. Well, I uh, I grew up in a, in the mountains of Western North Carolina in a little bitty town called Bavard, North Carolina, and uh, grew up in a family that uh, my mom was a, a a very very strong Christian, and my uh, uh, dad was not. Uh, my dad actually was a, uh, and I think this may, might be the first time I've ever verbalized this, but he he was a he was a cockfighter. I mean, yeah. he had a full, he had a full time job, but on the weekends he went off and. And was a cockfighter, and uh, uh, so I grew up in a family that was uh, that was uh, split, uh, that was mixed, uh, Christian, non-Christian. Uh, but my dad never hindered any of my mom's faith or us going to church. And so my mom had us in church every single day or every single opportunity, and and uh, uh, was praying for us every single day. And so. Uh, uh, became a Christian at an early age and had a brother. I'm the oldest of three and a uh, uh, brother and a, and a younger sister. And then my family now, uh, we have a 21-year-old daughter who played, uh, graduated from Liberty University, uh, played soccer at Liberty, and is a full-time missionary in Peru oh, wow. uh, with a soccer ministry. Uh, she also plays professionally in Peru, and wow. um, and then I have an autis- autistic son who's 19 years old, who is a whole podcast all in himself, of course, uh, with his journey. And then I have a uh, a 19, a 16-year-old son who's a sophomore at Northridge High School here in Tuscaloosa. Wow, that's a a lot going on. Yeah, like like I said, each one of them could could have their own podcast because I'm telling <laughs> you, it, it, it's exciting what God has done with our family over the years. And then, of course, uh, my wife Luann, uh, she's the glue that holds everything together. You know, it's one of those situations that when the kids were young, I can remember the first time uh, being left with all three of them, <laughs> and, and it didn't take very long until the boat started really taking on water. And yeah. uh, so, uh, so she's the one that, that holds holds it all together and keeps the house running and, and the kids running and me uh, in line where I need to be. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned um, about your mom's strong faith and accepting Christ in an early age. We're going to talk about your faith here in, in a little bit, but I want to hit on some sports. So okay. you your background is, is coaching baseball. So how did you get into being a baseball coach? Yeah, I, I played all three sports in high school. And um, so when when you're growing up, you know, you, you at the time that I grew up, your time was really split and divided. But mm-hmm. the community that I came out of was a football community. So Rick Robinson in Bavard, North Carolina, is best known as Rick Robinson, the football player. Hmm. And so, so I actually went to college and played both football and baseball. And so I was recruited to play football, and then they allowed me to play baseball because that was part of the recruiting process and the agreement was that I would do both, and they were one of the only ones that agreed to let me do both. And so for me, then when I graduated from college, my first job was that as a, an assistant football coach. So hmm. they hired me to coach football. Nobody else wanted to coach baseball. So right out of college, I got to be the head coach of a, 
of a, a 3A high school team because nobody on the staff wanted to coach baseball. And so I got that's how I got into uh, to um, uh, my first job. My And when you ask, I think a really good story is that how did I decide that at the time that this is exactly what I was going to do? I think that for a long time, I knew that at some point I was going to be a coach. But just like every college baseball player, you have aspirations of being a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. Well, when that doesn't happen, you have to readjust and, and uh, uh, figure out the direction you're going to go. And I can remember uh, graduating from Appalachian State, getting home, mom's cooking dinner, and at that time, it's toward the end of May. Uh, we finished our baseball season, uh, and I'm sitting on the counter, and my mom said, hey, you're not going to get drafted, so now what are you going to do? And I told her that I wanted to be the best college baseball coach that I could be. And so, uh, so that started my coaching was I started out at a, at a 3A high school in Hendersonville, North Carolina, West Henderson High School, and uh, coached football. Uh, my head coach took a job two years later at a school in Canton, North Carolina, Pisgah High School. He wanted me to come along with, with him as his de- defensive coordinator. So at that time, I, my whole focus was on football. For one year, I didn't coach baseball. And then the baseball coach resigns, and I coach baseball uh, for, for the spring because the guy resigned in, over Dece- in December. And I was the guy left again. Nobody wanted it, so I took it. And then, wow. from, there, and then from there is when I went to uh, uh, start the program at Bavard College. Um, I had heard rumors that Bavard College was wanting to um, start a baseball program, their first baseball program. Well, that was my hometown. So, again, I just kind of took the initiative and went and met with the president and convinced him that starting baseball was a great thing and that hiring me as his head coach was even a better thing. And so he agreed, and it was almost another one of those things that nobody really wanted it, so they allowed me to do it. So that's how I got into college baseball. Wow. So where on did you coach? I mean, talk a little bit about your coaching journey. Yeah, I, I started out, you know, I used to think I didn't have much of a journey because I was so long at, at Young Harris College because we made a point to stay at Young Harris to, to raise our family. But I went from started the program at Bavard College, was there a couple of years, worked with the Cleveland Indians for a, a year, um, was thought I was wanted to be a full-time scout and do that and, and really missed the winning and the, and the losing part of it. And uh, so I got back into coaching at Old Dominion University, uh, was at Old Dominion for uh, four years with a guy by the name of Tony Guzzo, who's a legend up in the uh, Virginia and Northeast. And uh, everybody said, hey, if you're going to get back into coaching, you need to, this is the guy you need to get with. And it was, that's a whole nother story. I mean, we can take 30 minutes, just how I wound up and how God put me at Old Dominion. But it was another one of those things you had to step out on faith. Coach Guzzo actually hired me to be his recruiting coordinator at VCU and then took the job in August at Old Dominion Old Dominion didn't have any positions open on their staff because Old Dominion told him he had to keep the two coaches that were currently there because it was so late. They didn't have a volunteer coach. And at that time, volunteers couldn't make anything. I mean, it was a true volunteer position. Mm -hmm. So I went in, long story short, Luann leaves her job that she had with Health South in um, uh, Richmond. I leave the recruiting coordinator's job at VCU to go to Old Dominion to be with Tony Guzzo. And I worked in the maintenance shed, mowing grass and planting flowers from 6 a.m. till noon every day for the first wow. year that I was for the first year that I was there. And then after that first year, both coaches left and I moved in as the recruiting coordinator then. So here again, it's uh God has been so good to me, but every single time I think that it's taken faith that God was going to provide. And this was the direction that God wanted to take us as a, as a family. And, and so, you know, uh, Luann, it worked out so well. We moved to old dominion, Norfolk, Virginia, and neither one of us have a job. I, I mean, a paying job. I'm a volunteer 
making a little bit of money now planting flowers, but she's given up her job in Richmond with Health South, has no job. And so we move into a little one bedroom apartment that didn't have long distance on the phone. We didn't have cable television. I mean, it was the smallest little apartment that you've ever can imagine in one of the bad neighborhoods of Norfolk. And this is how I started my coaching, my college, truly my college coaching career and my track to wind up where I've, I've gotten to now. And here again, we flourished during that year. We probably, Luann wound up getting a job as the director of sports medicine uh, for a group of orthopedics in, um, in Norfolk that had 34 doctors and she was supervising and hiring 14 athletic trainers in colleges and high schools all over the Norfolk, the Hampton Roads area. And uh, in that year that we started without a job, we probably saved more money that year than we have any time ever since then. Just, wow. because, just because of our lifestyle and the way we, we were living everything. No kids, no kids, you know, and, and Luann and I were married for about five years before we ever had kids uh, to just make sure that we were ready to, uh, to take that on. So. so in all your years of coaching baseball, is there an athlete or two just from an athletic standpoint that just kind of stands out to you? Yeah, you know, you know that would be. A, I could throw out a. I could throw out an easy one because you know I mentioned that I was at Young Harris College, and so we left Old Dominion once my daughter was born, and uh, we just there were 52 days that I was at a baseball game between June the 11th when my daughter was born and the first of September, and so I never saw my. And, and now let, let's throw in two more weeks of overnight camp that I had to be on campus. And so when she was born for 52, for 52 days, I was gone. And Luann goes, Hey, you don't ever see her do anything. We, we need to make an adjustment here. And I said, I, I don't know what kind of adjustment. I, what do you want me to do? sell sporting goods equipment. I, I'm a baseball coach. That's all I've ever done. So we looked at going to junior college, going to a two year school. And so what we did was we really prayed and uh, there was one school that was one of the best in the nation that uh, we had an opportunity at. We didn't feel like God was leading us there. So our fr my friends thought I was really crazy then when, okay, you're at a division one school, you've interviewed for a division one head coaching job. And now you're telling us you're going to leave division one and go to junior college, but yet you don't want to go to the, one of the best junior colleges in the nation. And so long story short, young Harris college called and said, Hey, an athletic director called me and said, you might be our guy. And so we wind up going to Young Harris College in the middle of nowhere, had 450 students when we got there. The closest Walmart was 38 miles, and the um, closest TJ Maxx, because when you're in Norfolk, Virginia, you got everything. The closest TJ Maxx was 90 miles. And so we're in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of North Georgia, and uh, but God, we knew that that's where God wanted us to be. And there were so many things here again, we could talk for hours. Here's how God laid it out. And we were faithful. And each time God rewarded us for our faithfulness. And uh, so we were there. They had never been very successful. We wound up winning a whole bunch of games, attracting a lot of really good players. And so the best athlete that the audience would probably know about, uh, especially if you're a baseball fan, is Nick Marcakis with the Atlanta Braves. Oh, wow. And, uh, so Nick was our, really our first uh, major draft. Uh, Nick signed out of our place for $1.85 million. And uh, uh, so Nick Marcakis, uh, would have to be listed as one of the best athletes that I've ever coached. Nick was good at everything. He could dunk a basketball. He could shoot a basketball. He could shoot a rifle. He could fish, uh, play ping pong, and uh, he threw 96. He was a left-handed pitcher for us. Uh, Nick has a really good story. We brought him in as a left-handed pitcher, and we had a couple of guys that got hurt during the fall. We knew we'd had a couple of got pitchers that had hit while they were in high school, so we picked four pitchers that we were going to allow to hit for a week, 
And then after a week, we were going to make a decision on who we were going to insert into the lineup for the fall to fill in for some of these hurt guys. Well, Nick was the guy that we picked. Well, Nick, of course, pitched for us. And he was a left-handed pitcher that threw 96 miles an hour. And every single major league team had him in as a first-round pitcher, except for the Baltimore Orioles, who took him the seventh pick overall as a left-handed hitter. Wow. And Nick, and Nick hit 21 home runs that year for us. And while he was in high school, Nick didn't hit home runs. And Nick hit probably three or four home runs the whole time he was in high school. And he hit 12 for us the first year, and he hit 21 uh, the second year. So uh, Nick Marcakis has to be one of those, uh, just because you see him on television. And, and out of Young Harris, we've had we've had um, uh, five big leaguers out of Young Harris that have played on television. We've got three playing right now on television. Uh, Charlie Blackman uh, with mm -hmm. the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he's one of our guys. And then Corey Guerin, who's a pitcher for Seattle now. He, he was with the Braves. He was with San Francisco, and now he's with Seattle. He's their seventh, eighth inning guy. But those three right now are in the big leagues. And those guys, Nick, I, I, I knew Nick was going to be a draft and going to be a great draft. Corey and Charlie coming in, not so much, uh, and probably Corey not at all. Corey was a pitcher that came in for us that threw 76 miles an hour, and we dropped him down. And uh, by the time he left, he was throwing 92. Cool. And so he becomes a second-round pick for the Braves and, uh, and has had a great major league career. But the other guy that, um, that was, should have been a big leaguer, a uh, guy by the name of Jeremy Bowles. Uh, Jeremy was one of the best players, best athletes. He was a football player that, that we turned into a baseball player. Uh, we redshirted him his first year. At a junior college, we redshirted him. And we ju he just poured himself into the game and into his academics and uh, became really, really good and wound up playing and, and going on to Liberty University and leading the Big South in stolen bases a couple of years up there. And then he actually came back and coached with me for three years. And so Jeremy, in the first eight years I was at Young Harris, Jeremy was with me for six of those. And so uh, Jeremy is one of those athletes that is unbelievable also. That's awesome. <clears throat> so, yeah, I do recognize a, a few of those names. Being a, I grew up a Braves fan, so I still still keep oh, yeah. on the Braves. So what about? Um, and you don't have to name any names, but is there a an athlete that you can think of in your coaching career that you saw God use you in their life? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, I don't mind using his name, and I know he wouldn't mind me using his name. It, it's it's a guy by the name of Mike Midori. And Mike Midori came to Young Harris College and was not a Christian. Mm. And um, uh, here again, I'm not going to go into the whole thing because this, this thing would go on all day long if, if, if I went into all the details. But Mike comes to us. He's not a Christian. He accepts Christ while he's at Young Harris College. He becomes involved in our praise band. He's asked to lead the, the praise music at a... a a religious retreat at North Georgia College hmm. and comes to me. He's competing for a position, second base, and his freshman year, he just was kind of a sub guy, uh, pinch runner guy. And um, But his sophomore year, he was. we expected him to be a player. And so he comes in, in to me one morning and says, hey, coach, I have an unbelievable opportunity I have the opportunity to lead music religious life retreat at North Georgia College. And, um, and I said, Mike, that's awesome. That's just, that's great. And he says, well, it is, but maybe not so much. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, the retreat is the first weekend that we start practice. And I go, oh my gosh, Mike. Oh my gosh. I, you know, you need to be here. You're, you're going to be one of our leaders. And so we talked through this whole thing and I'm just stressing out about it because here a guy that's supposed to be one of my leaders competing for a position. He's going to miss the first four practices basically. So of course, as head coach, I wasn't real happy with that. And so I said, Mike, I'm going to have to think about this. I'm just, I'm just going to have to think about this. So I go home and wives doing what wives do. I tell my wife the story and Luann looked at me and she said, have you ever thought 
that maybe God didn't bring him here to play baseball. Mm. And so I just kind of stepped back and I said, okay. So I go back and I told Mike, I want you to do this. Long story short, again, I could go and fill in some blanks with Mike. Long story short, Mike Midori plants a church in young Harris, Georgia, gets his, marries his wife at young Harris College, gets his wife at young Harris College, plants a church in young Harris, Georgia, and it's one of the most thriving churches in young Harris, Georgia right now. They're running an attendance right at about 500 in that little bitty town. And so I tell people all the time that you have to realize that just because God has you at this place at this time, that might not be the reason that he has you there at that place at that time. And so Mike was like that. God did not bring Mike Midori to Young Harris College because of baseball. He brought Mike Midori to Young Harris College to grow the kingdom by planting a church. Wow, that's an incredible testimony of a, a young guy. And to you as a coach, I mean, being a obviously a huge impact in his life, coming as a non-Christian to play baseball and get saved and now leading a church in that, that community, that, that's incredible. So as a, you know, you talked about early on the demands or the time that, that you spend as a coach. So how did you balance the demands of being that baseball coach with being a husband and a dad? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for me, uh, of course, coaching is a full-time job, but for Luann and I, coaching has also been a full-time ministry. Mm. So you're almost, so you're almost getting two full-time jobs. If you're a full-time coach and a full-time minister, uh, for 35 players, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty time consuming. But like I said, early on, I left Old Dominion University because I did not think that I could be a great division one coach and be a great dad and a great husband. Hmm. So I went backwards. Nobody goes backwards in coaching profession. So I went backwards understanding that I might not ever get back to division one baseball, went to junior college. And for us, the thing that I always tell young coaches and that I always reminded myself is that if I spend all of my time raising somebody else's kids, who's raising my kids? Wow. And so for me, when I mentor, uh, disciple young coaches, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot. Who's coaching your kids? Who's raising your kids? And so we made a point, Luann and I, and, and Luann was, Luann's probably the best athlete in the family. I mean, she played, uh, uh, college athletics, athletic trainer, the whole deal. So she gets it. I mean, she understands it. She's an unbelievable coach's wife. But we made a point that we were going to have dinner together no matter when we were going to have dinner. And so there were times that I had to practice because of the player schedules and things. Well, we'd have to practice from six to nine. Well, of course, that's difficult. Well, they would come out and have dinner at the field. Or they would come to the office and have dinner with me before practice started. But one of the important things to us, even today, even today, we sit down, and I was trying to think about this earlier. We probably, I'd say six times, seven, six times a week, five times a week, we're sitting at the dinner table eating dinner together. And on Wednesday night, on, on Wednesday nights are tough because Ryan has, has to be at church at 530. Um, Luann has to be at church at six. Rhett needs to be at church at six thirty. I need to be at church with Rhett around seven o'clock to kind of monitor some of his stuff. And so we're uh, like going in all different directions. Well, so what we do is we make a point that on Wednesdays we eat dinner sitting down at the table together at five o'clock. And so as I was coaching, I tried my best to be at the house as close to 6.30 as I could during the season to where when I walked in the door, dinner was on the table and we were going to sit down and have a meal together. And so that's one of the ways that we tried to balance it. Did I always achieve it? I'll, I'll tell you this story. Um, uh, no. I, and, and, you know, I went to Young Harris College to raise my family and spend more time with my family. 
went into a program that had never been successful at a place that's so small, how you're ever going to recruit anybody come to the mountains of Georgia where it's snowing, and then all of a sudden God just blesses it and we're winning championships. And now we're we're ranked nationally and, and we're vying to go to the to the World Series. And and so I got caught up in all that again. And I come out of practice one day and there's a note on my car and I still have it. It's in my day planner. I, I kept it with me and it was it was 2000 and it was 2004. And um, um, I come out and there's a note on my car and it's from my wife and it says, don't come home. Don't come home until you can be with us 100 percent mentally and physically. Well, here again, I was getting home at six o'clock every night, 630 every night. Because I had a great, great assistant coaches that could clean the field, get the guys finished up and send them, send them off. Well, I'm getting home to spend time with my family, but I wasn't 100 percent there. I was still on the phone making recruiting phone calls. I was still zoning out. My family calls it zoning out. I was still zoning out thinking about the games coming up on the weekend. And so she said, hey, don't come home until you can be fully engaged mentally, physically with us. And it said, go win your championship and then come back home. And so that was a, that was a huge eye-opener for me. And so from that point forward, I started turning the phone off uh, when I'd go in the house. I didn't answer the phone. And we usually, the kids were usually in bed by around 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And if I needed to make uh, recruiting phone calls or my assistant coaches needed me, uh, they knew that uh, they had to wait until about 9 o'clock to get me. So those are some of the things that we tried to do to manage our time as a family, as a husband, as a mom to be able to pour into our family. And then of course, you know, we, we've always had our children involved in church and, mm -hmm. but we have been involved alongside of them. It hasn't been a situation that we have taken them to church and dropped them off as, as a babysitter from six o'clock till eight o'clock on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, we're serving alongside of them and so that's the example that we've tried to present to them over the years also. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very good. Man, I just took a lot of notes. I take notes in, during all these, um, whenever we're recording these podcasts, and um, that's always a favorite question to ask. You know, I'm not in coaching, but it's just one that, you know, as a husband and a dad, it's, I always get a lot of wisdom, and this is it's very good. I even wrote the note down that what your wife left. That's a reminder to me. You know, when I, when I get home from work, I need to be home not right. physically. And that's, and that's, it is a challenge. That's good. I, I appreciate you sharing that because that really convicted me and challenged me. So now I want to shift to, and, and I mentioned the intro about you're now, you and your wife both serve with an organization called SCORE International. So I want to ask you to tell the listeners a little bit about SCORE because many probably like myself, and so you and I talked the first time, no score is an international mission organization, mostly sports. So tell us a little bit about um, score and specifically how active score international is here domestically in the United States. Yeah. Uh, score international, which is sharing Christ, our redeemer uh, enterprises um, is, um, is an organization that's been around for 35 years. And it's, it actually started 35 years ago with a basketball coach, uh, Ron Bishop, that took his college basketball team at Temple University to Mexico on a mission trip. He did that two years in a row. And the second year when he got back, he, um, he decided there needs to be an organization that takes groups on athletic groups on mission trips. And so he went to the baseball coach and said, hey, I need a vice president on this organization I'm getting ready to start. So the baseball coach tells the story that he flopped that piece of paper down there and he just signed it. He had no idea what he was signing. Well, now, 35 years later, that baseball coach who signed on as the vice president is now our executive director. And oh, wow. so, so when we talk about Score International, you're talking about our executive director has been involved in Score International since its conception. 
And so there's a lot of consistency there. There's a lot of uh, 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 vision for what the future is going to look like and, and for what uh, uh, the purpose of SCORE is. And when John Zeller, who's our executive director, took over as the, uh, as the executive director about five years ago now, he decided with the organization that SCORE needed to have more of a domestic presence. And so John had been coming as an individual, as John Zeller, member of SCORE, individual, one or two other people had been coming to Utah, Alabama with Kenny Burns. If a lot of your listeners, Alabama baseball coaches especially will, will know the name Kenny Burns, had been coming to Utah, Alabama to do baseball camps with Kenny Burns in Utah. And so... SCORE International has been in Utah, Alabama for almost 15 years. Wow. Well, well, when John became, when John became the executive director, making the decision that we needed to have more of a domestic presence, the first place he planted our domestic flag was in Utah, Alabama by putting Jerome and Olivia McIntosh there as full-time missionaries in the community of Branch Heights. And they have been serving as SCORE full-time missionaries there now for five years. So SCORE International, the people listening to this who know SCORE, there's going to be a lot of people that don't know the name SCORE. So, right. please, so please go look it up um, because I think you'll, you'll enjoy reading about SCORE. But for the people that do know SCORE, uh, they probably know it more as Travel to the Dominican. Yep. Probably baseball teams. Yep. And doing some other sports ministry. Well, for us, score is a lot more than just the sports side of it. Uh, like we said before, uh, before we started this, uh, only 17% of our groups last year out of over 6,000 uh, people uh, were sports related. So only 17% of that was sports related. We do a lot of stuff with youth groups, church groups, adult groups, uh, senior trips that want to do a mission trip. Uh, that's what we do. We do medical. We do feeding. We, we do all kinds of things within the organization. But the best way to explain to people what SCORE International is and what we do is that we take groups into local ministries. So Utah, Alabama, we have a missionary there. We take groups in there to provide the manpower that that on-the-ground missionary needs or ministry needs to meet their ministry um, opportunities within that community and to provide their community with more exposure to the gospel and discipleship. And so for us, it's, it's all about meeting the needs within the local communities. We never go in and consume a ministry. We want to go in and provide uh, manpower for the existing uh, ministries there. And we've got 12 domestic missionaries right now. Uh, we've got about 13 locations around the U.S. that we go to. Uh, we're praying for God to increase the number of domestic missionaries. Uh, so if there's anyone out there who feels like that God's calling them in the ministry and they haven't had a clear direction, uh, pray about SCORE International and, and then get in touch with me because uh, we're looking for those domestic missionaries. We're looking to increase the number of ministries that we can provide for. And we're not doing it to increase the number of people that we're taking on trips because honestly, we don't really need more people. What we want is we want more opportunity to meet the needs of the people in the ministries that are already out there. And so that's why we want to increase the number of ministries that we're connected with. So that's kind of a little bit of a, I mean, a little synopsis on, on what we look like and who we are. And what's your role with SCORE? Uh, my role right now is I facilitate all the domestic um, missions, anything to do with on the domestic side of it. Uh, I'm over that, working through all that uh, from creating new ministries to, to 
helping lead teams into different places. So, or the organizational, I'd say the organizational, the best way to describe it, I guess, would be the organizational side of the domestic ministry. That's awesome. So I got to ask this question. You talked a lot about your baseball career and then now being involved in ministry. How did you go from a college baseball coach to full-time ministry? And, you know, what was the transition like or how is the transition yeah, it, it's it, it's pretty cool. The um, you, you know, I, I think I said this earlier at some point, but you know, being in being in college in college athletics for 25 years and 21 of those years as a head coach, um, Lynn and I always felt like we were in full time ministry. Right. And so it, it's really not that much of a change as far as the ministry side of it. I think that we always knew and felt like that God was going to move us at the end of our career into full-time ministry. And um, uh, so for me, when Keith Madison, the uh, former baseball coach at the University of Kentucky, uh, he was there for 25 years. A lot of people will know Coach Madison. Coach Madison called me and, and said, hey, I know you've always talked about going into full-time ministry. Um, you know, what's that looking like? And so when we, when we prayed and felt like God was moving us in the full-time ministry side, there was never a hesitation. There was never a, a lack of faith, maybe, uh, but it was full speed ahead into ministry. And, and let's see where God's taking us with SCORE International. And so uh, we had a couple of other opportunities as far as uh, people calling and, and hearing that we were planning on going into full-time ministry. Uh, they wanted to say, hey, consider us. Mm -hmm. And because I had a lot of ties with a lot of different organizations and things. And, and, uh, and, and SCORE was the one that we felt like without a doubt that God was leading us in that direction. Um, how is it different than coaching and how's the transition? The way I explain that to my friends and my buddies, I had gotten to the point when I was at uh, the last couple of years at Young Harris College and then I finished at uh, University of Tennessee at Martin. Um, I had assistant coaches, so I had anywhere from three to five assistant coaches during that time. And so we would meet every morning at 8.30, and usually about a 45 minute to an hour meeting, setting up everybody's day and, and a lot of the week from practice to everything else small college guys have to do. And so we had a plan. There, there was a plan on how we were gonna conquer the week and the day. Well, if all of a sudden the athletic director comes in and says, hey, I want you to go down to have lunch with me and to meet so-and-so, and he comes in and, and just out of the blue and pulls me, which he did, um, some, well, now when I would leave the office and I, I'm gone, we were still getting things done. Things were still happening because the assistant coaches were in place to continue the process of moving the day forward. And then no matter where he took me, he always got me back in time for practice. So from two o'clock till five o'clock each day, in that window there, I came back and I was on the field and I accomplished something that day because I was in practice and I'm coaching. So there's an accomplishment. In ministry, you have to be really, really careful because you're managing your time mm. and you're the one that's responsible for it. And when you get distracted and moved in a direction that you shouldn't be moved for whatever reason, there is nothing else getting done. And so that time management part of ministry has been the hardest thing for me and to be able to manage that time uh, effectively. And, you know, for me, I start, I tell people and, and, you know, everybody should, this should be everybody's philosophy in my opinion, but, but especially for me in the last year, you know, I start my day preparing for ministry, you know, by, by my quiet time, my prayer time, my reading and all those kind of things I'm preparing for ministry. And then I'm connecting after that for ministry. 
And then the next phase of the day is ministering. And mm -hmm. so in that whole day, if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in something that Satan wants you to get caught up in. And I'm not talking about something, you know, I'm not talking about something filthy or, or even anything that's bad. I mean, you know, it might just be a, uh, uh, you decide that you're going to, I'm looking out the window at my yard here that needs to be mowed. That I'm, I think, okay, I need to get out there and mow that yard today when really and truly I need to be ministering. And so mm -hmm. you're making all those decisions then. So that's been the, that's been the hardest thing for me in ministry. And then the other thing is that we are full-time missionaries uh, for SCORE International, so we raise our support. And so for me, God had to really deal with me with my pride and my ego of, of, of going and asking for support because in years past, I've always been the guy writing the check for support. Mm. And so for me, it was really hard initially to do that. And, and honestly, the hardest part of ministry is that, and I'm still learning that. And, and yes, the Charlie Blackmans have, have come up big for us and, and basically saved our year last year. But we have to pray and ask God to give us each day people that are willing to come alongside us and support the ministry that we're doing. Whereas when you're coaching, it's easy to go out and ask somebody to give you money for a, a, a stadium or for a plane. Right. I, I know when I went to UT Martin, we had no equipment. I mean, I was amazed. We had no equipment. And uh, so I just made a list of everything we needed. My athletic director was unbelievable. And so he took me over a two-week period. He introduced me to almost 20 different donors. And so I just take that list in with what we need, how much it costs and say, hey, how much, you know, which one of these are you going to provide? Well, at the end of the two weeks, we were, we had all of our equipment needs met. Well, it's a little tougher conversation sometimes when you're asking someone to come in and provide your insurance, to provide your retirement, to provide your uh, savings, right. savings for your son to go to college, you know, but we still have to have all those things. And so that's been the toughest part of me transitioning into ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. You mentioned when you're talking about score, um, about the desire for more domestic missionaries. So someone's listening and they, two things, they, they want to know about score or maybe or interested in getting involved in SCORE, how would they do that? Is there a website? Is, what, what's the best way for someone to connect with SCORE? Well, I, I, think the, I think the easiest thing to do, of course, is to go online to our webpage, which is just scoreintl.org, um, and, and check it out there, and then you can ask questions and all that, and, and then the the simplest way for me is for you just to contact me directly. And, and I think that um, um, if, if you want to call me, if you want to go to Twitter, if you want to do any of those kind of things, I'd love to have a conversation with anyone that is interested in uh, uh, being a, a full-time minister with SCORE, a full-time missionary with SCORE, or even someone who might have a ministry already Hmm. They're struggling with the 501c3. They're struggling with the insurance. They're struggling with all those kind of things. Well, we bring those type of organizations, those ministries in under our umbrella. We don't want to change what they're doing. You know, as long as you're telling people about Jesus and you meet our criteria, you come under our score umbrella and we provide all those services for you then. And so that's one of the ways that we help get the gospel out is by partnering with, and I call it coming under, under the umbrella of SCORE so that now you don't have to worry about the administrative side of it. You can worry about the ministry side of it. Hey, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's how we can do that. So I think that's a beautiful picture of how God designed the church, right? Yes. You know, it's all, instead of fighting for territory, we're all understanding it's one body and we're working together. That's, that's a beautiful picture and reminder for 
anybody that's involved in local church or ministry that the importance of partnership and not, well, this is mine, you know, <laughs> you, well, and you know, you know, this is mine. you know, what's, you know, what's and here again, it, it's a learning curve for me in ministry because I'm assuming ministry is perfect, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're working for God. Everybody's working for God. So it's perfect. Well, just like you said, I have been amazed at the ownership side of it within ministry. And, and Luann and I, Luann and I are totally different than that. And I'll give you a great example. Um, we have a new F FCA director who got here in June. I, I came in here in April. My family came in in July. John and his family come in the 1st of June. He's taking over the whole FCA area, West Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I'm an FCA guy. I mean, I've, I've grown up in FCA. I've served in FCA camps and FCA, the whole deal. So I love FCA. So I had been here about three months, four months before John. So I'd made a lot of connections. So when I met John, I said, come on, I need to introduce you to this guy. Come on. I need to introduce you to this guy. And he was just really surprised that I was willing to give away some of my best connections, which they're not my connections. They're God's connections. Amen. And, and all of us need to be connected to God and the ministries. And so uh, uh, the way that has come full circle, he's starting there. He's talking with West Alabama about starting a huddle. And so what he wants to do is he wants to go down there when he presents the he's, he's been talking to them, but he's going to make a big presentation to all the coaches. So now because of the relationship that he and I have built, he's going to go in and talk about the huddles, the discipleship, you know, that whole FCA model. Well, then he wants me to come in the same time beside him and say, okay, FCA develops this part. I want to introduce you to Rick Robinson, Score International, who provides the service component and the, um, the ministry component of what we're going to be teaching you so that you can go out and serve either in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or around the world. And so that's the relationship that John and I have. And John had his first big fundraiser dinner and uh, Luann and I attended. Uh, we, we, we support him. Like I said, write the checks. And so that's the model of ministry that I want people to understand that SCORE is about, that we want to come alongside and lift the people up and provide either administrative support or manpower for their ministry to flourish. That's good. I like that. That's a beautiful story. And that if all of us would grasp that concept that let's see how we can work together versus, Hey, you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And if we can work together, maybe, but you know, yeah, and then, and then cross this line. Yeah. And, and what happens is when you do cross the line, people get their feelings hurt, yep. you know, like, Oh, wait a minute. You're on my territory. Well, no, it's all God's territory. That's right. So let's figure out how to how to do this. So yes, I, I agree. I mean, that's one of my that's one of my big things is that and and scores is that we want to partner and support. That's awesome. I'm gonna ask you a couple just real quick questions to close it out. So a lot of people have what they would call a life verse or favorite scriptures, or one you'd share to encourage us, or maybe one that God's using in, in your life right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um, gosh, there's there's so many verses. You know, there's so many verses that you could pick, and and uh, when you're when you're preparing for ministry, God just shows you different things. And I, I'm in the I'm in the um, uh, listening to a podcast. Well, run the podcast. It's it's one of the Bible things on uh, on the Bible app. Um, uh, Francis Chan. And it's yep. in it's in James, and it came up, and I think it's uh I think it's James two fourteen through twenty six or something like that. And he got to talking about your faith, you know. And so at the end of that, I think it's James two twenty six, you know, and it says something like, "As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead." And the whole thing was talking about, you know, it's great to have faith. But y'all, and the way Francis talked about it last night was, can faith alone save you? 
or will your faith also make you, cause you to want to have great deeds for Christ? And so for me, that verse just jumped out. You're talking about one that, that meant a lot to me last night. You, you know, one a, a verse also, just kind of off the top of my head, uh, I, you know, you have to throw out Matthew 28, 19, if you're a missions guy, you know, go and make disciples of, of all the nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and then and then teach them. You know, that's one of the things that, that people leave out a lot of times. They don't go on to verse 20. Mm. Uh, you know, they stop right there at verse 19. And, and I think the first couple words of verse 20 is, then teach them. And so I, I think that's one of the verses. Um, if I had to say a verse that just pops into my head when someone asked me that, and I'm, and some people think it's strange that it's this verse, but honestly, for uh, the longest time, this was my password on my computer. And it was 1 Peter 5, 8. And it's be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is walking around and he's going to, and he's like a roaring lion and he wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you. And I think too many times we see Satan and Satan's demons as like minions. You know, the movie, they're not that big of a deal. Oh yeah, I believe in Satan, but yeah, okay. Satan's a powerful, powerful being and, and a powerful force. And unless we surround ourselves with Christians and a godly influence and absorb ourselves in Christ every single day, he's going to devour us. Mm. And, and if we try to confront him and we try to tiptoe around with him, he's going to devour us at some point. You're going to fall off of that cliff. And, and so for me, I tell my kids all the time and I tell them, I said, when, when you're faced with Satan, you know, you hear a lot of little cute little songs about, there's one song that I really like. I like, I like the song, but it talks about confronting Satan and that, that you can handle Satan. What I tell my children is when you see something bad and when you see Satan and you know that it's of Satan, you run and you run and you hide behind your father. You hide behind Jesus Christ and you allow Jesus Christ to fight Satan. And so for me, that verse right there, if I had a verse, and there's a lot, you know, you can name all the favorite verses. You know, there's oh, an awful yeah, lot of yeah. favorite verses and all that. But if you take a verse that's a, that's a verse that Rick Robinson has used for a long, long time, that First Peter 5, 8 would be that verse. That's a good one. Man, that's good. I've really enjoyed today. I know I have, um, you've challenged me, you've encouraged me, just, you know, your last part, we were talking about First Peter 5, 8. I, I wrote down, you said you got to absorb yourself with Christ every day. And I, I go back to, you know, you said every day, you know, you start your day preparing for ministry. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the notes, you know, your prayer, your quiet time. And I just think that's a great example um, and, a, and a challenge to everybody listening that, you know, God calls us really to be all in um, in our walk with him. You know, you and I were talking before we hit record, kind of joking about coffee. Yeah. Um, and cold coffee, and it kind of brings us to Revelation 3.20 and lukewarm, and nobody likes that. Nobody likes lukewarm coffee. But that's really, I mean, that, that, that's what God calls us to be is, is to be all in. And, you know, and you've given us a beautiful picture of that as you talked about preparing for ministry. And then the last thing with that, you know, the way you really broke down First Peter 5.8. So, man, I appreciate I appreciate your time. I know you got a lot going on, and I know it took us a while to make this happen, but um, thanks for hanging in there with me to, you know, working out a schedule. And um, well, you're, you're welcome. And you know, one of the things that I do want to do want to say is that, you know, that picture of of preparing for ministry. Every single person who's a Christian should be doing that every single day. Amen. Because it 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 tells us that yep. we are priests. And yep. that we are representatives of Christ and we have to prepare every single day. And then we need to find out how we can connect in ministry. And, you know, one of the things I, I didn't listen to a lot of your, I, I listened to probably two of your podcasts early on, I, I told you. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about and you mentioned here with the all in part of it, you know, for me, that's one of those things that I talk about a lot. You know, you're mm -hmm. all in ministry. 
when I go out and speak, I spoke at Tuscaloosa Academy the other day on Wednesday, and I talked about being all in. And, you know, and to me, what does all in really represent? And, and people have two totally different concepts of that. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, all in to me from a coaching standpoint is that my players believe in me 100 mm-hmm. percent and and they trust the process and right. they're striving to be excellent in every single thing they do. Well, I think a lot of times in ministry, people are scared of the word of excellence mm. because you think of excellence. You think of perfection. Well, in the Christian faith, we know no one is perfect. So I think a lot of times when people in ministry talk about doing things excellent, people get scared of that because they think we want to the perfection side of it. And for me, excellence isn't about the destination, the final thing. Excellence is about what you're doing, striving to get to that destination, whatever it is that God wants you to do. And then with the excellence or all in, as you would say, you got to be all in in every single thing that you're doing. And you can't just be a great father, but you got to be a great godly father. Mm. You can't just be a great husband. You got to be a great godly husband. And you can't just be a a great coach. You got to be a godly coach. And so for me, all in means that you're the way I said it at Tuscaloosa Academy the other day, all in to me is that Christ is all in me. Oh, that's good. That's good. And so Christ fills me. And so whether I'm worshiping Christ, my relationship with Christ, whatever it is, my tithing. How about tithing? Nobody wants to ever talk about tithing. But if you're all in, your tithing is going to reflect your love that you're all in for Christ. So that's what that excellence that you talked about and that the all in part of it looks like um, to me and everything. So I like that. I like the way you said that, you know, and that's the, probably the simplest way I've heard anybody talk about is all in means Christ is all in me. That's, that's exactly. about as simple as you can get. And that's the, probably the most simple explanation I've heard. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you again to Rick for taking time to, to join me today and to talk about sports and Jesus to talk about his role with SCORE International and just tell us who SCORE is and how you can get involved with SCORE as well. But just so many takeaways. I'm sitting here looking at two pages of notes and trying to figure out the best way to recap this. But really, what really stood out to me, especially as a husband and as a dad, was the note he referenced that his wife left him in 2004 that basically says, don't come home until you can be present when you're home. Win your championship and then come back home. And boy, that hit me hard about when I'm at home, I need to be present at home and not just physically in the house, that I need to be engaged with my family when I'm home. So thank you, Rick, for being transparent and um, fully vulnerable with with sharing that because I know it encouraged me, it convicted me, and I know it's going to encourage you as well. And other takeaways was just staying focused, that every day I need to wake up and prepare, prepare my heart, and then to go out and connect with people, to be intentional with my time, that I need to absorb myself with Christ every day, and that being all in with Christ means Christ is all in me. It's not what I do on Sundays or, or when I'm out serving, that it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that it is fully committed, absorbed with Christ. And the reminder, too, that we have an enemy that's out to devour us. But if I do absorb myself with Christ every day, that enemy is not going to get me. He's not going to have victory over me because the enemy has already been defeated. So thanks again for listening. Those are just some of the high points that I wrote down. Hopefully you took notes as you were listening and we'll go back and re-listen and re-listen again because there's so much in this one. Um, I encourage you again, as Rick did, to, to go check out SCORE International. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to, to go on a mission trip with them and it's www.scoreintl.org. You can also just type in Score International on Google. It'll take you straight there. 
Share this episode with a family member or friend. I know there's somebody out there that needs to be encouraged um, through this episode, through Rick's testimony, through Rick's journey, um, as it did me and you. I love to hear from you. Um, go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do. And again, you can send us messages. You can find out opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. Most of all, thank you for your continued support and encouragement in your prayers. If you're a first-time listener, I would encourage you to click that subscribe button. Um, so you can have access to previous episodes, and then all future episodes are automatically downloaded in whatever podcast platform you use. And I'd also ask you if this episode encouraged you, go to iTunes and leave us that five-star review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing these stories of faith and sports with you. The platform just gets bigger as, as you continue to listen and, and leaving us that great review. We appreciate your support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers. And until next time.